This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you and a Shana Tova. Very happy, healthy, sweet, wonderful new year to everybody. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't here um, to wish you personally last week. Um, due, of course, to a family simcha, thank God. But um, the wishes are still there, and please God, the brachas is still there. We wish everybody a Shana Tova a happy, healthy, sweet, and wonderful New Year um, for everybody and in every possible way. Um, today, of course, is a significant day in the Jewish calendar, not only being that it is the day after Yom Tov, the day after Rosh Hashanah, um, but also because, as you probably well know, today is a fast day. So we'll chat a little bit about the fast day today, some Gedalia, what it has to do with us, who was Gedalia, what is that all about. Then to move on a little bit, we'll talk about the Aseret Yemei Tshuva, the 10 days of repentance. And uh, believe it or not, we're already on day number three of those 10 days. And of course, the 10 days end with Yom Kippur in exactly a week from now when at this time next week, we will probably be coming towards the end of Musaf um, on the day of Yom Kippur. And, uh, of course, aren't we looking forward to that? Then, of course, to chat a little bit about the run-up to Yom Kippur, about Shabbat Tshuva, about the Shabbos that is coming up, and then, of course, the day before Yom Kippur, Erev Yom Kippur, which will be on Tuesday, and all the things that we need to know um, for that particular day. And then, of course, for Yom Kippur itself, as we said, next Wednesday. So let's think about um, for a few minutes Tzom Gedalia, the fast of Gedalia. Today is known as Tzom Gedalia. A Tzom is a fast. That one's easy. Gedalia is the name of a man, Gedalia, and Gedalia is the name of a very significant man. Now, he wasn't just significant in that um, there is a fast named after him. He was significant in that his death actually um, marked a tremendous, tremendous, significant occasion and moment in the history of the Jewish people and um, kind of closed off eras. And that closing off those eras was something that the uh, sages wanted us to note, to mark, and to mark in a significant way with this fast day. We've got to remember that this is against the background of of the opinion of many that the fast, um, that the days of tshuva, these aseret yamei tshuva, should be marked by fasts. There are many people who try to fast as often as possible in the run-up to Yom Kippur, um, even if it is just partially, in order to distance ourselves a little bit from the physical, um, in order to move a little bit closer to the spiritual, which of course is the watchword on Yom Kippur day and a week from now. So um, fasts would uh, not be untoward during this period of time, even though today is already uh, immediately the day after a Chag, the day after a Yom Tov, when very often we say the day is in the throes of or the shadow of that Chag, of that festival, um, as with um, our uh, three pilgrim festivals that the day afterwards is a semi-festive day. Yes, it's probably also a day to some extent for recuperation, but today... Um, Tzom Gedalia is there for a very, very different reason. And let's um, explore who Gedalia was and um, what the story of Gedalia actually was and why it is so significant for us. Well, 
The period of time that Gedalia was around, this Gedalia whose um, death we mark by this fast day today, he was around after the Babylonians had destroyed the holy Beit HaMikdash, the temple in Yerushalayim, and they had exiled many, many Jews. Now that all happened in the year 3338, which was 423 years before the Common Era. They appointed, the Babylonians appointed, a man by the name of Gedalia ben Achikam. He was appointed as the governor of the Jews who remained in the Holy Land. So the Israeli governor general, if you wish, appointed under the uh, principality of the Babylonians to lead, to govern, to rule um, in the Holy Land of Israel. There were many, many Jews who had fled from there and they had gone to the neighboring states. Not everybody was taken into Babylon. There were many who had gone to the surrounding lands, to Ammon, to Moab, to Edom, um, all those famous names that we hear mentioned in uh, biblical texts um, of the surrounding states, the surrounding nations around Israel. And... Um, uh, the Jews who were there at that time now heard about the appointment of this Jewish man. And we'll talk a little bit later, a little bit further on. We'll speak about his lineage, where he actually came from. Um, they heard about his appointment and they decided to return um, to join him and uh, to live in relative peace and calm in a completely different sort of an atmosphere to what had been just before the Babylonian destruction. Because under the leadership of um, Gedalia, who was also a pious Jew, um, the Jews who returned were able to till, they were able to plant, they were able to cultivate, they were able to um, actually get the land of Israel to return to some of its glory, and um, they were able to live there in relative liberty and li relative freedom. Now, just before Rosh Hashanah in the year 3339, so now this is now... Um, a year after the destruction, Gedalia received word that um, a certain Ishmael ben Netanya, who was jealous of his position of power and was dissatisfied with his alliance, his tactical alliance with the Babylonians, was planning actually to kill him. There are some say that he was actually put up to this by the um, king of Ammon, who um, also had political reasons for wanting to get the governor general of Israel to be deposed or to be assassinated, and uh, that there was this plot to assassinate Gedalia and to take the leadership into their own hands, and this man, Ishmael ben Netanya, would become the replacement figure in such an ousting, such an assassination, such a coup d'etat. But the trusting Gedalia refused to believe that Ishmael would act treacherously and he restrained those who wanted to kill Ishmael. And what happened then was, in fact, on Rosh Hashanah, Ishmael came to Gedalia with 10 men. So now it's uh, significant that he brought 10 men because it purported to be actually um, making a minion, creating a holiday atmosphere, bringing his own minion along with him in order to daven, in order to pray, in order to spend Rosh Hashanah together. And um, they were entertained by Gedalia. And while they were eating together, Ishmael and his men got up and they killed Gedalia as well as the other Jewish men, as well as some of the Babylonian soldiers who were present there um, carrying out this um, heinous, terrible, horrific act um, against 
Gedalia and his people. The treachery was followed by more bloodshed, and it caused the Jews then uh, to flee to Egypt. And at this moment, they effectively ended the prospects of Jewish settlement in the Holy Land until the, until the return of the exiles um, in 371 before the Common Era, of course, then after the whole Purim story. And so the Babylonian exile became absolute. And at that moment, at that time, with Gedaliah, strangely enough, weirdly enough, tragically enough, the whole of Israel was left bereft of her children. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Now, certainly in a Hasidic framework, um, the fast day, any fast day, is actually described as a day of divine goodwill. Um, one reflection of God's favor is the Torah reading of the 13 attributes of mercy. We read the 13 attributes of mercy, Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachel, Vachanun, are read both in the morning as well as in the afternoon services um, because these attributes are a manifestation of unbounded divine benevolence. We read it over and over again on Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur is certainly not a sad day. It is a day of a closeness, of absolute oneness together with the Almighty, together with God. And we have a manifestation of that. We have a reflection of that on all the fast days, and particularly on a day like this that comes as it does in these Aseret Yom in these 10 days of repentance. The positive nature of um, the fast day, of a fast day in general, is also um, spoken about by our sages as being an opportunity for tshuva. In general, it is meant to bring us to an attribute and to a, a characteristic and to a wave of repentance, of return, of bringing ourselves closer um, to the Almighty, of being closer to Hashem. That's what all fast days are about. So this is a day actually of um, closeness. While it commemorates a tragedy, while it commemorates something so sad, it is our opportunity and our job remembering that Hashem on these days um, shows us the attributes of mercy that we can actually um, take them into our fold. We can make them our own and we can um, certainly do the tshuva, do the repentance, the return um, that is uh, warranted on these days. Now, our sages also state that during the 10 days of tshuva, of repentance, an individual's prayer can have the same power as communal prayer. Uh, when an entire community prays together during the Aseret Yemei Tshuva, their prayers then reach an even higher level. And so by the same token, the positive influences of communal fasting must be and are enhanced on the fast of Gedalia, on the Tzom Gedalia today, because this fast is itself observed during the 10 days of Tshuva. <coughs> now, the unbounded positive influence of a communal fast is linked to the, to the era when goodness and kindness will spread throughout the world, which we know as, and we call it, the times of Mashiach, or the era of the redemption, the Geula. When we think about this, um, we know that it is in this era that the positive aspects of the communal fasts will be revealed because we are told that these fast days will then be nullified and these days will be transformed into days of rejoicing and celebration. And so on a fast day, we are standing kind of at the root of something that we know 
We're standing at the root of something that we know is going to be transformed. We kind of have within us today the DNA of a total transformation, of a complete turnaround. It is one of the days that is specifically spoken about and that will be transformed in the time of Mashiach in the era of redemption. And at this fast, some Gedalia is particularly, we're told, linked to the era of the redemption by the identity of the person for whom the fast is named, who was Gedalia ben Achikam. He was the governor, we know, who was appointed over Israel, as we mentioned before. And um, we are told that according to certainly some opinions, Gedalia was actually um, a member of the House of David. He was a direct descendant, descendant of King David from the House of David and was in fact, therefore, the last real member of the royal family who um, was in a position of authority over Eretz Yisrael, over the land of Israel. And so the idea of this being the last vestige of um, the uh, um, Davidic um, dynasty in Israel, well, we now know that our next one is going to be Mashiach. So from Gedalia to Mashiach is the link in the Davidic dynasty, in the house of David, Malchus Beis David, that is going to rule um, very, very soon in the uh, future when Mashiach comes, um, ruling over the land of Israel as the Davidic dynasty once again in its rightful position. We also are told that the fast of Gedalia is connected with the redemption by virtue of the meaning of Gedalia's name. The Hebrew letters, the Hebrew name Gedalia, forms the word Gadol, Yudke, Gadol, which meaning, which means God is great. And of course, it'll be during the time of Geula, the time of redemption, that the greatness of Hashem will be manifest throughout the world. So there are so many different things um, that um, highlight what Gedalia actually stood for, what he was, what his assassination represented. And most of them we um, turn around and make into something that is really, really positive. It is meant to be a time when we have the opportunity to reflect um, on the tragedies of the past to see how we can learn from them and how we can turn them around. Tragedies are only tragedies when you leave them there. If we turn them into something that is positive, if we can make something good come from it, well, then we have really accomplished, we've really achieved um, what that tragedy was there for in the first place. And similarly, when we have a day like today, a fast day, it is not a day when we sit low, it is not a day when we mourn, it's not a Tisha B'Av. It is a day, rather, when we reflect inwardly and we think about how we can really put into practice what is expected of us in these special days, um, particularly now between the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and of course leading up to the total geula, to the actual absolute redemption when Mashiach will come. During these um, days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we have exactly one week of um, uh, an opportunity to do tshuva. Because if we take, as we mentioned before, the 10 days of repentance, the 10 days of repentance include two days of Rosh Hashanah and one day of Yom Kippur. And therefore, the intermediate days between them is one full week. There will always be between the Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, not necessarily in order, but there will always be a Sunday, a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, and a Shabbat in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There is always going to be one of each of the days of the week 
um, as I said, perhaps out of order, um, or per, not out of order, but rather not in that sequence as we have begun these Aseret um, Yemei or these seven days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur today on a Wednesday, and so the last day will be next week, Tuesday, um, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And what are we supposed to do during these days? During these days, of course, they are called days of Teshuvah. What is Teshuvah? Teshuvah has probably incorrectly always been labeled as repentance. If you say to the average individual, what does it mean to repent? 90% of the time, I think people are going to say repentance means regret. Repentance means apology. Well, there are different words for that in the Jewish lexicon. If we think about the word for regret, the word for regret is a famous word that we like to quote often because it's got a nice ring to it and people kind of um, Yiddishize it and they call it charota. Charota means, to have charota means regret. I regret having done something. I regret having done something wrong. That is a Hebrew word, charata. Charata means that I have regret. If we think about the idea of um, um, f- asking for forgiveness, that is slicha. If we think about the idea of that forgiveness being granted, that is kapara or kapara as we have with Yom Kippur. So what does this word teshuva actually mean? Teshuva doesn't mean only repentance. It doesn't only mean regret. It doesn't only mean um, uh, asking for forgiveness and the forgiveness being granted. Teshuva is a combination of all of those things and then some. Teshuva really means return. Teshuva means to get back to where we should be, to return to the place that we should be. And uh, you might say, well, I'm still in the same place all the time. I'm in the place where I should be, where I have to be. I'm uh, marking my post. I'm in my position. I'm in my community. I'm in my home. I'm doing my job as a uh, father, as a mother, as a child, as a student, whatever the case may be. But when we think about teshuva, of course, we're talking about in a spiritual sense. Is my soul, am I really in the right spiritual stance, in the right spiritual position? I've had the opportunity in the month of Elul to get myself prepared for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and um, I hope that I've tried my best, my utmost to get there. Um, we've now had the celebration of Rosh Hashanah when we proclaimed God as our king. We gave each other bruches. We stood. We heard the shofar. We had the wonderful connection that um, I hope that we all felt um, and that we all experienced and that we all had over the Rosh Hashanah period over the last couple of days. And now we come to um, a more um, kind of, let's call it, down-to-earth um, reality of the fact that we need to get ourselves back to where we should be. We're going to ask God for a full atonement and a full um, uh, exoneration come Yom Kippur day. We need to make sure that we have done our teshuva correctly. And so these days are days of getting ourselves back to exactly where we should be spiritually. And therefore we have a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Shabbos. We're kind of going through an entire week and reflecting back on each of those Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and so on of the year that passed, and making sure that each one and that each day and that each part of this week is spent in a healthy um, assessment of am I doing what I should be doing? Am I involved in what I should be 
um, involved in. And it can be a very, very tedious task, and it can be a very heavy task, and it can be something that is quite daunting, quite scary, quite frightening. It can um, put the fear of God in you. Um, Yes, it's meant to do that, but perhaps we need to suggest a couple of practical ways, a couple of practical things that we could do in order to actually experience and actually live out and actually do this act or these acts of teshuva. So what do we do? Well, let's just think about one or two simple ideas. Um, Number one is perhaps you're praying, perhaps you spent time in Shul over Rosh Hashanah and you found the prayers long and tedious and so on, and perhaps you think about during your prayer um, that, you know, I don't really know um, exactly what these words say, and it may be that I am someone who has prayed every day, and each and every day I say the same words over and over again, and eventually the eyes kind of gloss over them, and we're not sure whether we said the words or we didn't. So take a line or two, or perhaps a paragraph, and perhaps um, one part of the tefillah, one part of the prayer um, that you're saying every day, and really focus on it, really concentrate on it, slow it down, um, say it well, learn it well, think about it well, translate it well, and have the opportunity to slow it down. This is an act of tshuva. I'm getting myself back to where I should be. If we think about um, in acts of kindness to other people, so how many times have we passed by the opportunity or passed up the opportunity of being able to help somebody, to be able to do something good for somebody else? Let's set a tone during these days of tshuva. Now, it can't really be and it shouldn't really be, um, you know, you'll come across a lot of people during this period of time who tell you, oh, no, 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 it's during these 10 days I'm not speaking Lashon Hara. During these 10 oh, no, 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 you know, let's talk after Yom Kippur uh, where we can get back on the Lashon Hara trail or we can get back to doing the things same old, same old. That's not what this is about. These have to be firm resolutions that this is something that I'm going to do. I'm going to get myself back there and I'm going to stay there. I'm going to be involved in that kind of a fashion um, from here on in. And we have the opportunity of a full week in order to practice this, in order to get into the throes of doing these little acts, whether they're acts of kindness, whether it's slowing down our prayers, whether it's spending a little bit more time learning something from our Holy Torah, Doing any of these simple things, but making sure that we do them every day and that while we do them and when we do them every day, that they really become part of us and that in that way, we're getting ourselves right back where we should be. These are acts of tshuva. It doesn't have to take a huge amount of thought. It doesn't have to take a huge amount of mind shift, but it's about changing our modus operandi, getting ourselves back to where we should be, doing teshuva, and hopefully we can get there before Yom Kippur. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi, and welcome back. We were talking about teshuva, and of course then coming up this Shabbat is Shabbat teshuva, or Shabbat shuva, the Shabbos of return, the Shabbos of repentance. And of course, this is the opportunity for us to show what a Shabbat really should be. If we're showing what we should be during the week, it's our opportunity to show how much we care about Shabbat. And if we are keeping Shabbat, to keep it a little better, to do a little bit more, to make sure that Shabbat is more meaningful, more significant in our life, that it uh, takes on a more pleasant um, hue, that it becomes something um, much more favorable in our eyes and in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls. And of course, if we're not up to keeping 
doing it, well, this is the ideal opportunity to do so. Yes, we have popularized um, the Shabbat project weekend, but this is the one Shabbat, Shabbat Shuvah, that it, uh, about this Shabbat, that our sages say that if the whole of the Jewish people would keep this Shabbat, this would bring Mashiach. This is an opportunity for us to really put our uh, spiritual money where our mouth is um, to say this is what we are davening for. We're davening for the fact that we um, want to have a beautiful year. We're davening for the fact that we want a full and complete atonement, that we want full forgiveness. He has an opportunity to keep Shabbat in the fullest sense properly on this coming weekend. And when we do so, and if we would do so, um, this Shabbat will become something that will be a significant forerunner for all the Shabbases of the year. Remember, um, after Rosh Hashanah, of course, it's the first Shabbat. We want to be able to show the Almighty that we really mean business, that we really mean it, that we're going to be keeping Shabbat properly and correctly. And then, of course, we um, run into the next week and on Tuesday um, of the coming week is Erev Yom Kippur. Now, Erev Yom Kippur is a semi Yom Tov, in fact, um, while we're allowed to drive and so on, but it is deemed to be a Chag in almost every sense of the word. Many, many have told us that if we um, celebrate um, and we eat and drink um, significantly on Erev Yom Kippur on Tuesday, um, that it will be deemed as though we have fasted for two days rather than just for the one day of Yom Kippur. And uh, wouldn't that be wonderful to be able to get the benefit of two days of fasting into out of just the one day and one day of feasting and so therefore a festive day on Erev Yom Kippur but it does begin with the ceremony of Kaparot of Kaporis Kaporis um, either people take a live uh, chicken and uh, it is uh, used as an expiation as an atonement um, the chicken is um, on its way to the abattoir, the chicken is on its way to be slaughtered, it's intercepted and uh, we say a prayer whereby we say if the life of this chicken, the death of this chicken uh, that is now going to happen um, can in some way be an atonement it can be, I'm going to purchase it I'm going to put money on it and in some way this chicken is going to go to its death and I am going to be able to go to a chayim tovim va'arukim, a long and a good life. This is certainly what I would like to do. There are many, many people who have an aversion to using a chicken. You can do um, the kaporet ceremony with money, with a tzedakah, and then we say that this goes to tzedakah, and I should go to a long and a good life. And so on Tuesday, spend the day doing kaporet, making sure that you um, say the afternoon prayers particularly well on uh, Yom Kippur Day, where we say the al where we start with the penitential forgiveness prayers that are um, the run of the mill on Yom Kippur, and then, of course, um, making sure that we eat um, um, well on Erev Yom Kippur um, on Tuesday. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. And then, of course, at the end of the Aseret Yom Tshuva, we come to the day of Yom Kippur itself. So we start off with Kol Nidre. Kol Nidre is nothing more, really, um, the Kol Nidre prayer. Um, it is nothing more than our asking God to exonerate us for any oaths or vows that we may have made um, inadvertently that are incorrect, that we haven't been able to keep. Um, and then the Yom Kippur davening, the Yom Kippur service, which I'm sure you'll hear a lot about in your particular shul, so we're not going to dwell too much on that, but just the idea that it is the culmination of this change that we have made in ourselves, of this return, of our getting ourselves back to where we should be, of coming into a brand new year and saying, you know what, I really 
really mean it. I am making a completely different start to the year. And I'm spending this time <coughs> introspecting a little bit, but not too much because sometimes introspection takes us away from doing all the good things that we should be doing. But spending time getting back to where I should be, spending time getting my time, my space, my energy, my soul, and me back to where we should be. And in that way, then building ourselves up for Yom Kippur itself, the Yom Kippur, the day on which we will be provided with that full and final atonement, the day on which God gave atonement to the Jewish people after the sin of the golden calf. Remember, that was the day, Yom Kippur day in the desert was the day when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moses came down the mountain with the tablets of stone that lasted, with the Torah that the Jewish people were going to keep. It's a fundamental day that's embedded with atonement, with, uh, with, with, with forgiveness, with all of of these things um, that we hope and we pray we will be able to have and that will be granted to us in the fullest sense of the word um, um, for this coming year. And so we go into the year having turned over literally a brand new leaf, having changed me into what I should be, having changed my stance into what it should be, having changed my time into how it should be spent, and having focused much more on the things that are of paramount importance, my Judaism, my identity, my mitzvot, my Torah, and all of the things that matter, my family, those close to me, my children, my loved ones. And when we do that, we know that we're going to have a gemar chatimatova. We're going to be sealed for the completion of a great and good and wonderful year. And may it be so for you. May it be so for all of us, for the whole Jewish people. And as we stand today on uh, Tzom Gedalia, on the Fast of Gedalia, which, as we mentioned before, has so much to do with and so many symbols of Geula, of redemption, Please, God, that is what we should see in every sense of the word in this coming year. A Shana Tova Umetuka, a wonderful, happy, healthy, and sweet year. Look forward to seeing you again sometime soon on Judaism 101.9.